it's like a moment of self-awareness when we're talking about what's going to be the song of the summer and why. I feel like it's a moment where we're like, what's going to resonate and why? And that's, that's just, I don't know, that's always an interesting conversation to me. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. <laughs> all right. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com, and joining me today is a very special guest for, I think, the second time on this podcast, unless I'm missing one. It is Richard Clark. Hey, Rich. Hey, Kyle. Good to be here. Yeah, glad you could join. Um, Rich was on the podcast previously to talk about Drake. Um, and I was thinking about that podcast the other day, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Why? <laughs> I just feel like I said dumb things on that podcast. I don't know why. No. no I don't know. I don't it was so. just I just remember being like, you know, I'm white, so I can relate to Drake. <laughs> that was kind of the well. basis. Okay, maybe I need to listen back to it. Um, <laughs> take it, take it down. <laughs> Rich is awesome because um, he and I kind of became friends uh, talking about pop culture and and music specifically. We had a lot of really fun conversations um, back when we met almost ten years ago, exactly. And, Whoa! Um, yeah, crazy. That's now, crazy. Yeah. Now, Rich. Yeah, we should do a ten year anniversary tour. Um, <laughs> We're back. Of us arguing about music. That's what we'll call that. This is the 10-year anniversary argument about music. Um, Right. Exactly. So Rich is really awesome. He lives up in Chicago. Um, Apparently, we have a lot of people from Chicago on this podcast. And uh, Rich, I don't even know your title anymore because you get promoted like every other week. But you work for Candy today. (laughs) What's your title? That's right. So for now, my title is Online Managing Editor at Christianity Today. Cool. Until tomorrow when you're like uh, CEO. President. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, um, this is going to be a really fun conversation. And we were, you know, I- I'd reached out to you because I I thought we should do a podcast. And th- one of the first things that came to my mind um, is Song of the Summer. And it's probably because I feel like there's a million think pieces out right now about Song of the Summer. It's kind of become like this talking point. And I want to, we'll get into all that of like, if it's, you know, how we should even frame a conversation about song of the summer. Cause I, I, that's kind of what this is about to me, but I, it's also fun because I feel like, you know, and when I say that you and I had a lot of conversations back in the day and kind of bonded over pop culture, it was really a lot to do with pop music. And we had a lot of really awesome conversations about pop music, (laughs) everything from like Lady Gaga to Carly Rae Jepsen. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, you helped me kind of shift my thinking about mainstream popular music in a really positive way. Um, that's something that I, I owe a lot of credit to you for, actually. And Interesting. They, I look back on those conversations fondly. I mean, one, I was an idiot a, a lot of the time, but I also think back and think like, man, it was... I so mean, cool. we were both idiots 10 years ago. <laughs> that's like a common trait. But it was so fun to like, we were so invested in those conversations about Lady Gaga or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Um, I feel like how much edification came out of those conversations. And that's why yeah. to me, like having a conversation about Song of the Summer is going to be really fun. But I also expect to be uh, kind of enlightened about by things that you have to say. And so that's that's kind of why I think this will be cool. 
Um, but first, um, you were in to do this because Kyle and I have been uh, drinking beers and podcasting, um, which is like the new podcasting from your mother's basement thing, I feel like. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so what are you having tonight uh, on the podcast? So I'm drinking a beer in my mother's basement and uh it, it not really i'm in my house um okay. and uh i'm drinking anchor steam from Ooh. san francisco whoa how'd you get it's, a hold of that so this has a story behind it i so it's they just sell everywhere these days it's not like a it's not like a strange beer but like okay. this is the um when i went to the, my very first game developers convention like way back in the day you may mm-hmm. remember this time like it was like pivotal moment in my life where everything was upended and changing yeah and i remember going to the game developers convention feeling very depressed because of a lot of terrible things that had happened in my life Mm -hmm. that i won't go into because this is a happy podcast but (laughs) (laughs) but i went i went to um i went to like all the bars and this is the only beer i kept drinking over and over because i just remember thinking like do you have you have you ever had an experience where you're having so much fun and you're so happy that you're convinced that you're drinking the best beer on earth? Oh man, this is a good story. Damn. So I I just like I just became convinced that this Anchor Steam beer is the greatest beer on earth, and I keep telling people that before I offer it to them, and they're always very underwhelmed by it. No, I'm whelmed by the story. Um, that was really cool. <laughs> um, I so I actually do remember you going out to San Francisco for that. I remember something about some guy in a cowboy hat, but I don't remember anything more. That would have been Chuck, I guess. Yeah, Chuck. Oh, hey, no. Chuck. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> my story is not nearly as cool, um, but Sun King Brewery is my favorite brewery here in Indianapolis, and uh, they've got nice. a uh, Scottish style ale called the Wee Mac, and it has kind of become one of my favorites. Um, so that's what I grabbed tonight and uh, am enjoying for the conversation. And it's a good summer beer, which feels appropriate given the conversation. Um, and so we've had songs of the summer, um, as I mentioned during our friendship. And I feel like things we talked about, but I don't ever remember talking about, I don't ever remember saying the word song of the summer until like two years ago <laughs> or something. Like, is am I right in that? Like, or did I just... I feel like I would have known if every year in my life people were talking about Song of the Summer. We were talking about yeah. the Song of the Summer, but we weren't classifying it as anything. Like, do you do you feel like right. this is the thing that's happening now that like this is just something we say now? I don't know. It's so funny because like I just Google searched like Song of the Summer by year while I was doing research, and it mm-hmm. was like the first thing I got was songs of the summer list for the past thirty years, and I was just like. <laughs> This is a retcon, yeah, for sure. Um, because I mean, first of all, like, well, I, we'll go into like what makes a song of the summer, but these just don't have anything in common. They're just the most popular songs, right, in the summertime of those years. That seems to be like the the reasoning for it. The thing that struck me is just I remember uh, in, like engaging the concept of song of the summer maybe with. Uh, blurred lines for the first time which is mm-hmm. very recent i don't know if blurred lines or uh call me maybe came first maybe call me maybe call yeah me maybe came call first. me maybe came first so maybe it was that one that i was like song of the summer is a thing yeah um but before then i'm just yeah i agree with you i'm not so sure that that was a thing we talked about 
I do. And so I told you before we started that I had a theory about where this came from. I feel pretty confident that Call Me Maybe was what started this because it mm. is almost the, I don't know, the definitive song of the summer, right? Like it was a yeah, song totally. was so, I don't know how to explain it. Um, it was such a big deal. It was so well received. It was so like even people that didn't like it were like liking it. Um, and yeah, and doing little liking. dumb videos about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it was it was it was so far beyond what we think about a typical summertime, you know, music rotation that it kind of made people start saying because I then you know the next year it was looking back like oh man, remember last summer was constantly call me maybe, and I feel like that's kind of where this thing came from because and it kind of crested with blurred lines a few years later because I think by that point we were kind of. Well, that was the next year. It was Blurred Lines. And so yeah. I feel like at that point, it just kind of became a thing. So by the time Blurred Lines happened, we were talking about Song of the Summer. Um, yeah. And I'm, I am I want to get into like whether this is like a good or a bad thing. But before mm -hmm. we do that, um, just to like give in to the discussion a little bit, what does <laughs> <laughs> what makes a good Song of the Summer? Like clearly, Call Me Maybe is like a perfect pop song. And so, like, you could just be like, oh, well, a really good pop song. But, like, there's got to be something more to that, right? Like, there's – because Blurred Lines and Call Me Maybe are, like, polar opposites in terms of, like, their content and what it's about, you know? Um, yeah. So, it can't just be innocent or it can't just be a club song. <laughs> yeah, like, what Blurred is... Lines is not innocent. Yeah. <laughs> if, Blurred if, if Blurred Lines is anything, it, innocent is not it. Correct. Um I think it, you. I think you kind of proved your thesis in some ways. Like it, it does feel like it just has to be a good pop si song. And other than that, all bets are off. As much as I want to like ascribe meaning to it and stuff, like. But then the other, the other thing I, I think there are some things that help. One is that it's relationship oriented, but also that's what makes a good pop song, right? And then, um, but I think the thing that really helps a song of the summer is an element of nostalgia. Um, I feel like if you look at Call Me Maybe, like, that has a feeling of, like, analog foam to it. I don't know. Yeah. There's just, like, something, like, old feeling about that idea. Here's my number. Like, that's not right. a thing we were saying when that song came out. Yep. Um, and even Blurred Lines came out right on the cusp of this anti-PC culture where, like, they're just like, why, can men just be men again? That kind of feeling, mm. like Robin Thicke, like Robin Thicke really crapped out after that, but he had his moment where he it was like the perfect thing for right. him. Um, and I feel like if, if you just look at all of these, even if you scroll back further than that, just what happens to be the most popular songs of a particular summer, they all just feel like slightly nostalgic in nature to me. Yeah, that's actually um, not maybe not all of them, but most of them, at least. Yeah, it's either like super progressive and um, I don't know, pushing a boundary or it's got a really <clears throat> nostalgic feel to it. That's actually sure. man, yeah. that's really interesting because the, the nostalgia factor definitely lends itself to our generation. Like that's just a thing that we are kind of drawn to. Um, especially as we like start growing up and becoming adults, we're like, yeah, because we were both adults when call me maybe <laughs> happened clearly. And both, yep. I mean, to varying degrees kind of enjoyed that whole thing when it happened. Um, yep. man, that's a really good insight. 
I so I'm probably looking at the same thing that you were referencing. There's like this Billboard article that has the top ten songs in terms of the Billboard 100 for every year, all the way back to like what is it? I'm <laughs> scrolling up forever. This is ridiculous. 1958. You clicked. You clicked. You like actually looked at what you were clicking at. I clicked on literally the first thing, which is Business Insider. <laughs> Business which is probably Insider. Okay. Not a great source. So now I'm clicking <laughs> back and going to. The Billboard article. Okay. Yeah. The Billboard so I'm with article you now. is interesting. Um, because I want to talk about a little bit about some of our, because now I can look back and be like, oh, yeah. Like right now I'm looking at 98, The Boys of Mine, Brandy and Monica. Yep. I remember that. Like I remember that being on MTV all the time. And that's another thing I want to get into. Okay. I'm going to hold that thought. So I am going to come back to what I was about to say that you don't know what I was going to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I can look at this and be like, oh, yeah, Jeannie and Ambato, Christina Aguilera, sure, I remember this. Um, yeah. So there, there are some that make clear sense to me. TLC, Waterfalls, like, yeah, I, I absolutely remember that being a thing. So, but what I was mm-hmm. interested in, I'm interested in when you think of growing up, like the first song that you think of, Summertime, and I'm going to tell you mine. Um, and it is on this list, although it's not a number one. It's uh, it's actually number six on the '97 list. Is "Semi Charm Life" by Third Eye Blind. And oh wow, yeah. The first time, or the first when I even started thinking about we're going to have this conversation, I want to think back to what I thought. If I could think back to my childhood, if I was thinking about "Song of the Summer" or my youth, like what was the first thing that came to my mind? And it was that song. Um, and I think the reason why, the more I thought about it, was that that was right right about in that period 1997 was a period that i started branching out into my own musical tastes like full on like completely kind of abandoned uh my mom brought me up and was very influential in my growing up with with music and a lot of really good music like uh, genesis and um michael jackson queen um but around 97, probably seventh or eighth grade, I really started like doing my own thing music wise. And Third Eye Blind was kind of that big mm. for me. That was kind of my first band that was mine. Um, and so when I think about that, I remember Semi Charm Life and it definitely has a, a summer vibe. But that one like just sticks out in my mind. And I think there are reasons why kind of my brain associates that. And again, it's very much that nostalgic thing. Right. So that song is so weird, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's weird that that was a song of the summer. Like, mm-hmm. that's a weird, twisted song to be singing happily with your yep. windows down. Yep. And that's really fascinating because it definitely wasn't until years later. I was probably in high school when I first heard conversations about what that song was about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't having conversations in 1997 with my friends about, like, man, crystal meth, right? Um, so it's, it is really <laughs> fascinating how that stuff works. And I, and yeah. so in another, something that's going to be like that in a few years, I think for a lot of people, if it's not like that already is, um, can't feel my face. And, and we talked right. about that by the weekend of like this song is, I'm not going to get into that whole conversation, but it was a perfect single because it's such a nonsensical thing unless you yeah. hear it in the context of the album when it's clearly like, oh, yeah. he's coked out of his mind and can't feel his face. <laughs> and so but something that's interesting about that is that summer for me was The Hills by The Weeknd because like, I, I almost find myself now like mm. not necessarily the, the biggest one, but like I'll, I'll hear something, delve into that artist's album more and find another song that I really like. But 
Um, okay. Yep. I'm talking a lot. Tell me your, do you have anything that sticks out? In well, your when you think back? I want to talk about like the weekend song as compared to the third eye blind song real quick. Cause okay. I'm curious if you think third eye blind was like doing a similar, similar like subversive thing. Cause I think we both feel like, like the weekend is up to something, you know? Yeah. But if third eye blind, it just feels like they stumbled into this awkward juxtaposition um, on accident. So I have a lot of thoughts about Stephen Jenkins, the lead singer of Third Eye Blind. <laughs> and uh, I wrote uh-huh. a pretty big article about it a few years ago because he, uh, I went to a concert, of the, I was covering a concert uh, in Indianapolis for Third Eye Blind. And I I hate and love the guy simultaneously. Yeah. And, sure. Um, and I do absolutely think that he knew what he was doing with that song. I mean, that, there's no question, like, what song huh. has a chorus like do, 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 and like pertains to subject matter it does. Like, um, <laughs> I'm a big defender of Third Eye Blind's self-titled, uh, which is the album that song is from. And yeah. I think that uh, it was it was brilliant. Um, I, I think well, even I, I asked years that because. I ask that because I, I just love the idea that like there are these people like every year, every other year who are just determined to do a song of the summer that ruins everyone's summer. Like once they yeah. realize what it's about, like that just makes me feel really happy. I think Kendrick is like doing that this year a little mm, bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think like that we've kind of become used to Kendrick being a little subversive, but he's still doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think Dam is like, way more submersive uh, or uh, what was that word subversive subversive yeah. <laughs> i'm making yeah. a fool out of myself um <laughs> it's the beer no no i think that he's doing that on damn like more than he's ever done before actually so right uh, especially like releasing like a song like humble as the lead single and like yeah. there's, yes there's so yeah. much complexity to that whole album and the way it rolled out so no question and and to like I, I agree with what you're saying. I feel the same way about that. It's like, you know, a song like Happy by Fro Williams a few years ago. Like, mm. that's not really compelling to me in a way that a song like uh, Can't Feel My Face or Totally Semi Charm Life is, you know? I, I'm way, yep. I want to, I don't know, but Call Me Maybe was something different than that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, it's really, I don't know if there's a formula for this. Honestly. Well, okay. I mean, we're way off track, so just stop me if you want. But, like, happy is a lie. Like, that song isn't real. It's not a thing that you experience in your life. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't afford – but Call Me Maybe is a different thing. It's a situation we all find ourselves in, and it's, like, partly crappy but mostly cool. Yep. It's just, like, a feeling we all relate to. I just – I've always felt like happy just felt hollow to me. Yeah. Anyway – so I'm supposed to talk. I'm supposed to talk about like my favorite, like what I think of when I think of like summer songs from the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, the big one that sticks out. And this is really embarrassing. Um, is Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> because uh, yeah, I just was really into it. What <laughs> you know, not learning the dance. Can you still do the dance? Uh, probably like I definitely I mean, can. Yeah, I mean it's like a really obvious stance. It's not like hard or something. It's like riding a bike, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. Um, but that year, I was looking at that year, and that year is crazy with stuff that like 
Is that 95? Man, I was just... Yeah, 96. 96. It was a big year for me, I guess, music-wise, because I remember... Um, oh, California, California, Love. California Love, right? Yep. And then also the Train song, and um, the biggest one with me and my friends was Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Crossroads, which is Seriously, huge. I would not have expected that. I love that song. So, um, and awesome. then also, even in, in 95, like, Waterfalls is a huge one for me. I had that yeah. rap in the middle memorized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, there's one more. I don't know what year it is, but um, all for one. There it is, 94. So 94, 95, yeah. 96 were formative years for me. And uh, I swear was a big deal. That was the yeah, song I, I cried to because my girlfriend was moving away. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole thing. Oh, and Ace of Base, of course. Like anything oh, Ace of Base. Ace of Base. How many are they? Are they on here for a couple years? Because I feel like they they had a run there. You would <laughs> think they would be, but I only see "Don't Turn Around." I'm Interesting. If the other stuff was just. I feel like the sign was a. I remember people talking about that, like on the Little League baseball field. I have this memory of this. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, I swear by all for one. Absolutely. Yeah, I had the the cassette single, and then I I liked that single so much that I bought their next album and the full album and. Mm -hmm. It was like one good song on it. So um, I'm realizing now that one of the reasons those three years are so important for me musically is because those were the years where in the summers you just sat at home and you watched MTV all day long. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you did. So yeah. I remember literally all of these. I remember the videos like so clearly in my brain. So I'm about to share something and I this is going to be interesting because I'm going to talk to you about my favorite song of the summer. <laughs> okay. And, um, and I think that you'll remember this. Um, well, I mean, you're going to remember the song, but the, the time period. So you shared a really great story about your beer to open a podcast. <laughs> and so I'm going to share why a certain song is my favorite song of the summer. Um, my okay. all-time favorite song of the summer is Katy Perry, Katy Perry, California Girls. And Whoa. Yep. I'm offended by this. So... In a during a similar time to your trip to San Francisco, uh, the summer of 2010 was uh, unquestionably the the worst summer of my life um, for yeah. a lot of reasons, uh, mainly going through a divorce. And I was at a miniature golf course. My parents had come to visit. I was living in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were at this miniature golf course. And I previously, like a couple years prior to that, Katy Perry was on Warp Tour, which was kind of my first time, like uh interacting with her music and i you know i didn't really think about it too much um and by this time you know summer 2010 teenage dream i think had come out and i i just literally paid it no mind but i remember being on absolutely miserable on this miniature golf course <laughs> in the blazing heat with my parents and <laughs> playing like over the speakers outside mm -hmm. and i just in that moment like it was so catchy and so fun that I was like, this is like literally the last thing I want to be doing right now is sitting here trying not to cry, playing miniature golf with my parents. And I am just going to enjoy how much I am enjoying the song right now. <laughs> and uh -huh. um, for the rest of that summer, I got really into that Katy Perry album. And, and I bring this up because during that time, you and I had a lot of like really 
heavy conversations about Lady Gaga versus Katy Perry in which yeah. all of your arguments are absolutely right. But I was so emotionally invested <laughs> in this stupid pop song that was like holding my head above the water at the time, but never really framed it in that way because I knew that would show my hand and like right. validate my argument. So, um, but when I think back on it, it was like, I just loved it. And I, I needed something that stupid in my life at that time. And I know that I'm not yeah. making a good argument for it now either. But when I think as strong as summer, that is that is the one for me that uh, is is really the one. <laughs> That's so good. Because when you were you were telling the story, and I have to like, I was thinking like, what's it's weird to me that like none of the songs on this list in 2010 and the same year for me that I was like desperately trying to make it in life. Mm -hmm. And I like no nothing is popping out at me. And down at number nine is Drake. And I realized that Drake is my Carrie, Katy Perry, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like a surprise to anyone now to think like, wait, Drake is not like the best artist on earth. I mean, he's been kind of embarrassed in a number of ways. I mean, he's still like very successful and stuff, but like, He's not, he's, he's not like the coolest guy in the world. He, it's, he's not like artistically impressive in the ways that other people are. But I remember like, this, I guess that's like, I, in some ways, at least your argument for Katy Perry wasn't caught on a podcast. <laughs> I, I do I want, to like... make, I want to make one thing crystal clear here. Now that I've shared the, the sappy uh, side of this, California Girls is a terrible song. Um, in almost every way. <laughs> and, and actually, the this last season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I feel like was making fun of it in a really awesome way. I don't know if you watched that season yet, but... Um, I'm not sure if I've gotten that far. Okay, so Titus records a song that is very similar to California Girls. And it's, yes! I do remember that. It, it's literally making fun of how terrible that song is. So just so everybody's right. clear, I'm not coming on to argue the artistic merits of California Girls by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just commenting on how sometimes even like the dumbest pop music still does something in our lives. Or yep. even if it's not speaking to us, it's, um, it's a thing that you can gravitate toward uh, in a time where you need something mindless, I guess. Um, totally. So, yeah, that's that. Yep. yep. Uh, in hindsight, Lady Gaga, uh, at least during the Monster era, was a much better artist. I agree. Yeah, during the Monster era, that's an important <laughs> clarification. Yeah. We'll get into more of that on some other podcast, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, what I want to, I guess, as we head over the top of the hill here and kind of come down on the conversation in the midst of, I mentioned at the top of the podcast, how I feel like there's all these think pieces about song of the summer. And I've already seen like multiple things of like, what's going to be the 2017 song of the summer. And yeah. I want to ask you if that is the most pointless thing in the world to you, because it is to me. Um, and if it's <laughs> not you, that's okay. But like, what are we doing? Like, I feel like mm -hmm. everything that we've discussed so far leads me to believe that the song of the summer needs to be as organic as possible because anything else to like decide on it before summer even actually begins seems to defeat what happens when an actual, and I'm not sure that every summer even has like a true song of the summer, but when it does happen, I feel like it's not something that we all sat around and predicted before it even got here. Um, I guess I kind of disagree in that 
I appreciate like the conversations and the speculation. Because I, I think the song of the summer, so if the song of the summer is just the most successful song of the summer, which I think is, like, I'm happy with that being what the song of the summer is because sure. it allows for a lot of different variables to affect that. And a lot of the variables, a lot of the variables we're talking about in terms of nostalgia, relationship, a good pop song, those all sort of, those are a, a log on the fire that adds up to like it being a huge breakout thing. And um, I think it's kind of interesting. It's like deconstructing what, it's not just deconstructing like the music industry, it's deconstructing like um, the, the, the cultural moment, right? And like mm -hmm. thinking, it's like a moment of self-awareness when we're talking about what's going to be the song of the summer and why. I feel like it's a moment where we're like, what's going to resonate um, yeah. and why? And that's, that's just, I don't know, that's always an interesting conversation to me. Yeah, that is, that's a good way to, to say it. And I, there's no way around it. It's not like we're going to stop, at least for a while, now that right. it's become such a talking point that we're going to stop doing that. Um, I do wonder how much, I guess, the way people partake of music impact Song of the Summer. So, you know, when we go back to the 90s and talking about stuff from our childhood, clearly the radio was deciding that for us to an extent, right? Yeah. Because there wasn't a lot of ways yeah. unless you had a friend who was going to, you know, make you a cassette tape of the song or something like it was kind of what was on the radio all summer. Well, yeah. that's not really a thing at this point. Uh, and I wonder how, I guess, the rise of streaming habits impact what the song of the summer ends up being overall or do kind of like, I don't know, do certain groups of people, certain communities of music listeners have their own song of the summer now? Like, I, I don't know. Does it, am I thinking about this like way too hard? No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't know like how things are calculated or whatever, but it feels like um, radio stations are following sometimes the, the, the lead of what's working on, streaming services and that probably will increasingly be the case uh in the next five years i assume yeah and so you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of like um i think that just creates a, a really interesting situation where like the randomest stuff can can just kind of be the most popular which is an even better <laughs> um, it, like it, the less like manufactured it is, the better. I feel like if you get manufactured, you end up with like "I Kissed a Girl" by Katy Perry. Yeah, um, that to me is like a, a, a low year, a low point for Song of the Summer, um, and just because it just it doesn't talk about nostalgia. That was like a song that was like in its su supposed bravery. It just felt outdated instantly, <laughs> you yeah. know. I just don't think it's a very good song is my thing with it. I've never really. Well, that's the, yeah, exactly. I agree with that too. And also bleeding love was way better. So. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know if I could tell you what that song sounds like, but I am looking at that <laughs> 2008 portion right now. Um, yeah. So now that we've talked about all of this and I've talked about how ridiculous I think it is to predict song of the summer. Um, I want to try to predict song of the summer and, um, sweet. Yeah. And I don't have, I'm not going to have some crazy insight 
I'm, I'll tell you what I want it to be. Um, and that's Paramore's Rose Colored Boy. And I'm saying this like one, wishful thinking. Um, yeah. Two, I do think that they are, that band is at a place now where they, I mean, I feel like Ain't It Fun came pretty close a couple years ago. Um, I still yeah. feel like they're at a point where uh, a single of theirs could really resonate. Um, and Rose Colored Boy kind of checks all the boxes of the things we've discussed, especially in mm-hmm. terms of a song that sounds like a really fun summertime pop song, but it's about depression. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's another one of those, like, listen closely and, and hear what it's really about things. I don't think yep. it will be, but I, I do feel like, uh, if, if it got the right placements, it could definitely be in the discussion. Um, but that being said, I don't feel like it's going to be Katy Perry this year. I know she just put out her album, but I just don't think it's very good. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think people are just kind of tired of that. Yeah. Um, I think Kendrick Lamar's album came out too soon. So I don't. Oh uh, yeah. I think, think you're right. It's going to have the legs to get there. What would it have been? What would it have been? Can we talk for a minute about the, what I think are two tracks on here that could have been from, from damn. Yeah. Yeah. What so are I feel like Humble's one. Humble uh-huh. is one. And then Loyalty is the other. Ooh, interesting. And Loyalty is really interesting to me because Loyalty feels like a really... I don't know how better to say this. Loyalty feels like a dick move <laughs> in terms of, like, getting Drake's girlfriend to come on and sing with Drake's arch enemy a song about loyalty. Yeah. And then... There's some real, like, there's some real brutal lines in that context in that song. Um, different kind of subversive, maybe. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting, um, and I can definitely see that. I think I think if it drops now, yes, yeah. I, I could see it happening. Um, like as a single. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, and humble was released as a single in March, so I mean, it's kind of already run its course but yeah that would that would be interesting for sure um especially since drake has kind of like become the de facto big single every year guy yeah that would be that would be really interesting you know it was just announced today that jay-z is going to drop an album i don't know if it's this friday or next week but i wouldn't count him out um i wouldn't count taylor swift um but as far mm. as anything that we have available to us right now, like I just, I just don't know because I, you know, I could, I could try to argue for bleachers, but I just don't think that he has the, uh, the capital really? right now to do it. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So I'm gonna make some arguments okay. for some. I think. Have you heard "Attention" by Charlie Puth? Um, no. I don't know. I don't. I can't get a feel of like where this thing is in the in the mainstream. But it is. I would say this is my like vote for song of the summer. Um, just go listen to it. It's just really smartly crafted and really freaking catchy and re- and just very relatable. Okay. Um, the other thing I would say is is Lord's Green Light. Oh yes. It's like, it's like weirdly pop right like yep. it and it does this building thing like over every verse chorus that is just impressive i think that's a, that's got potential as a summer song 
And then I'm just going to throw out Cal Carly Rae Jepsen has a single out, though I'm a, slightly underwhelmed by it. Oh, um, gosh, what's it called? Cut, I know what you're talking about. Cut to the feeling. Yes, I love that song. I've kind of like come to think that like nobody's going to enjoy Carly Rae Jepsen as much as I do at this point. Um, <laughs> I might. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but okay. I just mean like people at large. Like I, I just yeah. think the association of Call Me Maybe is so strong that it just kind of cuts a lot of people out of the equation. But it, it could yeah. I would love to see it happen. Um, That's fair, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention is Halsey put out an album, I think, last week. And uh, it's got it's got some potential, too. There's a few songs on there that I could see. Um, what about that crappy um, DJ Khaled, Khaled song? Uh, this is your uh, guy. I don't know. No, no, DJ. Not I don't. I'm not a big DJ Khaled oh. guy. I, my you're thinking of Khalid. That's my guy. Oh, but DJ my. Khaled, um, I'm the one with Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper and Lil Wayne. So and see, Quavo. I'm gonna nix that because here's the common misconception: is that what if we get a whole bunch of awesome people on the song and then it'll be yeah. Nope, I don't think it works that way. I think we've seen people try that and fail. Um, you can have like one person on the song, but anytime you like start loading it up with people, it's just, it's too much. Um, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But right. I could be wrong. Oh, I, and so before we finish this, I want to go back to the other thing that I said that I was going to bring up later and then I never did. <laughs> um, okay. So when I was talking earlier about like the boy's mind by Brandy and Monica, I remember MTV really influencing my song of the summer, my, the songs I was into during the summertime, especially cause like you're home from school. Um, but like, I don't know, is it possible? Call me maybe had a really great music video. Um, does it, does having the music video anymore? Does that matter? Uh, I think no. Yeah. I haven't seen the video for in, hardly any of these. I mean, and the ones I did see, I feel like I regret. I mean, humble is great though. Yeah, I mean, but Humble yeah, I don't think the video that. really matters. I mean, it's nice for when it drops. If you got one of those that's got a drop, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, then I think it helps to have a pretty great music video. Yeah. But if it's supposed to sneak up on people, so like a good example, and this is what I can't believe I didn't bring up yet, is Passion Fruit by Drake, mm. which feels like it might actually end up being the song of the Gosh. I don't know. I think you're like, right. I think we one, just found it. Uh, that one sneaks up on you, right? Like you're going to hear it on the radio 4,000 yeah. times and you'll never even notice as opposed to like, what was that freaking uh, Nicki Minaj song that kept playing over and over like last year? Oh. I don't remember what it was, but I don't even know if that was a summer song, but I just remember turning on the radio and every time I turned it on, it was like, this freaking song won't go away. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think you might be right. Even though I would prefer Blim over passion fruit i i'm in the minority on that but yeah, yeah i see where you're definitely going. i hate blim so much no, why do you hate it uh it's like I ultimate drake making uh, up a word I, kind of, <laughs> I just kind of feel like passion fruit is ultimate drake. i don't know man everything uh, ultimate drake now damn it drake. that's true you're right that's gonna that's gonna be it well we figured it out everybody can take the summer off so <laughs> um, I don't know. This I, this was a fun conversation. Um, yeah, I loved it. I uh, I will always cherish our uh, 
Lady Gaga, Katy Perry arguments. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm using that to frame the reference of almost every argument we have about music. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and it's a good thing. So um, I, I know awesome. the way that the reason I even talk about Song of the Summer now the way I do is, uh, is because of um, your friendship. So thanks for being my friend and thanks for doing the podcast today. Thanks, Kyle. I'm really honored by what you just said. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, that is going to do it for this podcast. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, and then come check out the website. It's alldead.com. we got a lot of cool things coming up this summer. Um, some cool interviews, uh, some photo galleries we got coming around the bend. We're also going to be doing some more of our 10-year reflection pieces on some really great albums that are turning 10 this summer. So come check us out. It's alldead.com. Thanks again to Richard Clark for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk. That'll do it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more. 